Welcome in to Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Well done to Nick Trucial, Seth Coggin in here with you. I feel like the past few weeks have just been leading up to this week. Like we've had so much we've been talking about, like waiting to happen. And finally, we're starting to see all these dominoes fall. And obviously, the main ones being coaches getting hired, uh, rival, rivalry week, hard to say, just happened. Saw a bunch of blowouts, college football playoff pictures coming into fruition a little bit more still still a little bit to talk about and still some kind of interesting scenarios but I think we kick it off let's recap the weekend a little bit of of the games before we get into all the coaching carousels and whatnot a big one Michigan Ohio State the de facto Big Ten championship essentially someone asked me if I was surprised by that result and I said no I mean and not not in a way like I would have you know, I didn't put any money on it or anything. I wouldn't have just told you, oh, yeah, Michigan's going to wipe the floor with them. But Jim Harbaugh, there was a quote the other day that someone talked about Jim Harbaugh knew they couldn't out-personnel Ohio State. So he started putting a huge emphasis on out-physicaling Ohio State. And I feel like you've seen that happen the past two years. And yeah. that was what kind of drew me to thinking they could really win this game. Uh, and obviously by as much as they did. Because in the trenches – run game, good defense, like Michigan just has it. Like Ohio State's still super talented. They got a pretty offense. But at the end of the day, Michigan just played grown man football. Yeah, and it's a little deceiving. I feel like last year, I agree with your point because that's what we saw last year is just a team just physically dominate Ohio State, like just absolutely decimated them. Um, this year, it was kind of – that was my thought going into it. It's like, man – how could you see what happened last year? Like there was a wide physicality gap and like they haven't played like that is the thing about the big 10 and what we've kind of said all year with Michigan Ohio State. It's hard to judge them a little bit because the bar that they play against week to week is just lower. Like it's just not quite the, you know, you don't have to see them in these tougher situations um, just every single week. Um, and I think this game was a little, Michigan benefited from some massive plays. Um, like they had, I think that's true. I believe there they were had five four. massive plays. Yeah. I think I think they had five plays of over like sixty yards. Mm-hmm. I want to say if that's correct, and that is well, one, it's wildly impressive. It's also not necessarily sustainable because I was actually doing a lot of. I did not watch as much as this game, um, but I have been doing some kind of dives into the statistical like variances of kind of what happened, like a little breakdown of it. And Michigan on those, on every other play, average under three yards of play, which is pretty suspect, not very good. You're not going to win many games, but you have five plays of over 60 yards and you're going to win almost every single ball game um, in which you do that. So, and they hadn't really shown that all year. That wasn't really their MO is just having like long bombs or long, you know, super, super, super long runs. So they just kind of went in and took care of business each week. And yeah. it was kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. To your they point. Do. yeah. They were the better team. They just kind of, yeah, played our style. But this, they had to open it up and they did. Um, and they had great success. You know, Ohio State totally, totally sold out. And that's what happens when you have to totally sell out to try and stop the run. When you put eight guys in the box, when you almost put, you know, that is what happens is you open up, you, you're accepting that. You can't, you can't guard everything in football. 
Like you just can't, there's too much space. Um, you can't commit fully, fully, fully to stopping the run, which they did a really good job of outside of a few long ones. Um, and then expect to just shut down the pass. Like it just doesn't work that way. Um, so they, they sold out to stop the run and probably their best game plan. Cause like, you know, if a team hits some long passes, it's one thing, but if they just control the game on the ground, you're never, I mean, you have no shot. Um, and I think it definitely probably kicked Ohio state out of a playoff spot. I would imagine like you can't go that whole season with like zero, like top notch wins, your best wins, a win over Penn state and then get absolutely hammered at home and expect to just hop in the playoff just because you're Ohio state. Like that's just not how it works. Not, not enough quality wins. Um, and then your one big opportunity, you had a playoff game. This, this was a playoff game and you lost. Uh, so you're kind of out of it. Um, anyway, it was, it was a little, uh, I'd say would have probably picked Michigan. Um, I mean, it's easy for me to say in hindsight, but just, I just have a better vibe from Michigan right now. And I think, I think they prove that they're the better team. At least they were Saturday and that's all the, it's the only one that matters. So I, I think they'll have a, they'll have a pretty good run in the playoff. I, I don't know. I think anyone's fairly gettable this year. I think people are discounting Georgia a little bit somehow, like, I think they showed a little weakness early in the season and people are like, Oh, Georgia's gettable when that team did win the national championship last year and is undefeated up until right now. Like I don't necessarily. Like we just lost Seth. Be like, Nope. You're frozen for a second. You're back. Yeah, My bad. But anyway, I just heard like, no great teams in college football this year. And I just don't necessarily think that's true. Like I think pretty great football team. And if they win the SC championship and they win the playoff, they'll go down as one of the best teams of all time, most likely. Um, so it'll be fun to watch Michigan in the playoff. Hey, they could drop to Purdue though. Let's not, uh, I was talking about it with my dad earlier. If you take a look at the college football playoff, current rankings tennessee is not quite out of this yet not dead yet You're not, not dead yet we need some serious dominoes to to fall here but i mean tennessee they they came into the ap at number seven so we're just three spots out if we're going off ap it's probably going to be pretty similar for the college football playoffs if usc loses in their championship game tcu loses in the championship game and then i mean Right now, Alabama is ahead of Tennessee, but if at the end of the year, the media is going, everybody's voting on this, I think Tennessee honestly jumps Alabama, and yeah. that's getting you to number six. If TCU and USC are out of the way, number four is wide open right there, baby. I don't think they will because it's Alabama, because it's a brand. Because Alabama's been to the playoffs so many but times. But head to head, straight I, up. I, I, hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm look, look at my shirt right now. Ripping the like go Vols. I'm with the Vols. Like um rather see uh, Tennessee in the playoff than Alabama. But I'm just saying they're already ahead of them. And the, the South Carolina loss was too bad. It was too bad. I I agree. And it's with too that. fresh. It's too fresh and it was too bad. I agree with that. I also think the head to head should matter. Would probably, I think Ohio State would probably just go. 
Uh, I'm just saying, no, based off what the committee's doing, like so many, so many of, of those AP voters had Ohio State at five. Like, I just think you're, you're, I agree with both of you. Ohio State doesn't have any good wins. Penn yeah, State, but I think Penn State it. on the road, Penn State on the road, but yeah. they're going to go to the, okay, you have one loss and it was to a playoff team. There it is. Yeah, but you got drubbed at home. I know. And what's your bet? Okay, take out Penn State. What's your best win? Legit, like legitimately. Notre I have Dame. No clue. Notre Dame, week one. Yeah. Wisconsin. Wisconsin Probably. stinks. Yeah, Wisconsin's like six and six or something. Um, I think uh, it probably won't happen. Like USC and TCU probably will win. We think. We Who's think. TCU play? Kansas State. No, yeah, it could be a good game. TCU is pretty good. I I think uh, I don't know. I like TCU. I'm riding with TCU. I'd like to see them play yeah. Georgia. That'd be fun. I'm fine with it. I don't. And this year's a little different for me as far as the playoff goes because I don't feel bad for anyone who's not making it because I no. think every single team there's there's really no argument if you don't get in this year. Yeah, this is one of those years that they are going to sell you on the 12 team playoff because they're like. Yeah, but look at all these teams right behind that could, you know, could make some noise. Um, you know, there's not a clear cut top. And they could. Four. Yeah, they could. Um, I, I'd watch it. I, I grow more and more pro expansion as the weeks go on. Because um, people are like, it's always the importance thing. Like, oh, well, these games, you think, I, I get it. You know, the Ohio State Michigan loser might might still make the playoff, but you think that game matters any less? Seriously? No, that's true. Yeah, playoff implications are on the line, but it's more so because it's Ohio State versus Michigan. Like, they, those teams could be three and nine each and meet up, and it would be a hate fest. In a right, like, it just matters. Like, the games do matter. Like, I went to Arkansas and Miss, yeah, like I said, nothing on the line at all for either team, and it just mattered. Because we hate Ole Miss. Like, it's just, it won't, I mean, it takes away some of the national importance of, like, postseason implication. But it doesn't really take away the fun or the importance of the games, not to the fans. Well, and the conference championships are still going to matter because isn't it, I think the rule, the top four seeds are the top four highest ranked conference champs. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Which I like that. So like you, if that. you want to buy, if you want one of those bye weeks, you have to win your conference championship. So yeah, I like that. I think that it should you should be rewarded for winning your conference. Yeah, because I mean, it, the conference championships are dull these days. Like, it just does not have a lot of pop. For well, me. it's because the Big Ten's been so like it hasn't been as competitive, and then the SEC's been so competitive that it's like okay, we're probably both going. So yeah, that has been the case in the recent. And that's an awkward spot because, like, you play in the uh, Alabama and Georgia facing off in the SC championship, and then knowing they're both going to make play like play in the playoff uh, is pretty wild. Um, now, now LSU losing takes away pretty much any intrigue. Um, hey, shout out Jimbo. We've been uh, shout out. Shout I, out we, I was going to say we got to talk about that. Jimbo hey, ended got, on a high note. Yeah, Jimbo ended on a high note. All that's going to oh man, it's beautiful. That, it's beautiful. All it's all it's going to do is just it just prolongs it prolongs the fall. Okay, I saw a stat. So they went 5 and 7. Texas A&M did. I think and, I I called 7 and 5 actually. I think I was actually generous. Imagine well, but that. out of those 5 wins, 
at least two, maybe three of them, probably two of them. Two of them were against top ten teams. Well, they beat the Arkansas team. when we were ranked in the top ten, but obviously, like, oh, okay. not a top ten team. Okay. They beat Miami when they were like ranked in the top fifteen, and you know what? You know what really sticks in my crawl? What just what just irritates the crap out of me? So, A and M beat Miami <clears throat> the week before Arkansas, right? So at the time, the perception is, oh, we just beat a top 15 team, so we are good still, right? And a lot of a team's success is based on perception, the, the team's own perception of themselves. Like, hey, yeah, we slipped up against App State, but we're still a good team. We just got a top 10, top 15 win. Like, So then they come into the next week against Arkansas, and they're thinking, oh, we're good because we just beat Miami at home. And Miami stinks. Like, they should have had, you know, because they're ranked preseason, that's a good win. But, like, they're terrible. They're worse than they're, – they're terrible. Anyway, just a, just something that pissed me off extra the other day. Because Arkansas season took a terrible, terrible, terrible downhill turn when KJ fumbled at the one-yard line and they returned it 99 yards. Like, every so- the whole season flipped. The, every Razorback fan knew it. And deep down, I even knew it, but I was never going to admit it until now that the season's over. But – I totally changed the whole trajectory of the season. You win that game, you're in the top five. You know, things are different. Your own perception's different, but then you lose it, and then your perception's kind of broken. It's hard to get that back, especially when you're not that good. Like, it's easy to regain that when you're actually good, when you're like, oh, we actually are Alabama. You know, we actually are studs. But then when you're not, like, you're just pretty good, and, you you know, you you play together as a team really well. Um but when you lose that, it's kind of all over. Anyway, shout out Jimbo. Congrats. Going to the offseason, smiling, you know, living living a little happy life. Uh, Jimbo's kind of getting fat and happy, uh, but I don't think he's very happy. I think he's more stressed. Um, I would not. It's going to be a long offseason in an A&M, and they're going to say a lot of things. They're going to get hyped up. They're going to be a top 15 team next year, preseason, and they're going to no. suck again. Oh, they're going to be a – oh, absolutely. They're going to be a top 15 Dude, team. Dude, I seriously sure. – they have to be – A&M fans have to be thinking, like, I don't know about this. At this moment, like, unless – I mean, unless you just play the whole, hey, we got to get this recruiting class a little older. Like, that's the only thing you can really hang your hat on right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I Plus, don't there, there's got to be so many guys transferring out of there. Got to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of those, I feel like midseason reports were terrible when guys were smoking weed and saying they're going to transfer. I wonder how much of that was actually true. Oh, a lot I of it. I bet way more of that was true than like any anything out of Jimbo's mouth. <laughs> you think Jimbo is just full of it? Yeah. Fired his offensive coordinator who didn't even call the plays or anything. So that's going to help a lot. Scapegoat. Scapegoat. Yeah, Jimbo's supposed to be this offensive guru, and, I mean, we just have not seen it whatsoever at uh, A&M. But shout out, they did beat LSU pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, LSU, they're they're very up and down. I mean, LSU, to me, is just – they're not that good. They're a solid team, but, like, it it does kind of baffle me that they're in the ICC championship game. I know they earned it. But yeah, I mean, they went up against Bama and beat them. So yeah, 
That's the other argument for Bama. Aren't both of their losses by like a point each? Yeah. Three to UT. Yeah, three points. And they both both were top 10 teams at the time. Mm-hmm. So Bama has great losses on their resume and they killed everybody else. Yeah. The way I guess the way it's shaken out right now, if everything goes how we think it's going to go, you the final standings going into the playoff would be one Georgia, two Michigan, three TCU, four USC. I think I, mean, I don't know if it's USC necessarily going to shake up that way. I think USC might go three. I don't if TCU, if TCU doesn't lose. I know, but a one loss US. I don't know. I just think that's what they might do. I don't know. They could. It's not like the biggest deal either. Um, no, I mean it doesn't matter. But yeah, I mean I think it's going to be a Georgia Michigan rematch in a way. I mean it is a rematch, but this time it might be for the Natty. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> USC mean, uh, USC Michigan. That's the matchup I'd like to see. That'd be fun. I would too. Like TCU cool. Georgia. I'd like. To, I mean I'd watch that. USC Georgia. I'll watch that. Obviously, I, I think whether it be TCU, whoever is playing Georgia is going to get whopped. If it's yeah. if it's TCU or USC, I just don't see either of them. Yeah, the hey, problem knows, is man. the problem is Michigan plays, and that's where style gets you. Like Michigan plays too similarly to Georgia. I feel like to have a be- like, I feel like if you really want to be a superior talented team, which Georgia is superior talent to anyone really um you have to play a different style like it's hard to go just man up versus and try to do the exact same thing yeah like against a team that has better talent than you like that's what they practice against that's what they are built to defend like it's just hard when you see it every day in practice yeah because that's that's how michigan wins is they do have better talent they're better they're more skill bigger, more physical than everyone that they play, but then they play Georgia and you don't have that advantage. So how are you going to find those edges? Um, and that's when it kind of shows. We saw it last year. And now I, I actually think Michigan may be better than they were last year. Um, but it's hard for me to say. It's hard for me to say. I, I'll watch anything that they put in front of me. I know. I am really excited. I think – I know, every, I, Seth, I, I do disagree with you a little bit. I think it depends who you ask about the Georgia situation. Like, I think most people in the South are still thinking Georgia is the clear-cut favorite. Um, but I feel like – I don't know. I think the playoff could be a little more exciting this year than it's yeah. been in the past, at least. Yeah. Especially with two teams that haven't been there before. Yeah. In TCU and USC. Yeah, no, just aesthetically, like I was thinking about, I was like, that's a fun playoff. Like, I, I'd be, you know, it's different. It's got some fun new faces around. It's got Lincoln Riley back in it, which shout out to him. Like, I've not been the biggest Lincoln Riley fan, but what an impressive thing he's done. And it's, a, I'll, I'll be honest, it's a little easier probably in the Pac 12 um, to kind of bounce back very quickly. Like, I would say it's hard to do. Like, it'd be hard to go take a struggling SEC program and in year one have them competing, you know, for the, a playoff spot. Now, Brian, you can say Brian Kelly almost did it, but also at yeah. the same time, Brian Kelly now has three losses and, you know, could easily have a fourth loss by the, you know, this next week. Uh, so it's let's not go crazy on like, you know, and LSU wasn't an, exactly like a huge, it wasn't in great shape, but it, I wouldn't say they were like devoid of talent 
or like a true dumpster fire program. Like they just won a national championship two years ago. So they weren't like that far removed from something pretty spectacular. Um, but shout out to Lincoln Riley. His system is obviously just stupid. Like his system is so favorable for a quarterback. It's unbelievable. Like him, him having, he's going to have his like fifth Heisman quarterback candidate in like seven years. That is crazy. That is crazy. Like no one's done that at all. Um, I mean, Alabama sent a few guys to the Heisman trip, but you know, they've sent a receiver, a few running backs, a few quarterbacks have gone at least to the, you know, to at least be in the finalists. Um, but to have like your guy in your system. Now he gets the best player. A lot of the times, like that helps Caleb Williams is obviously awesome as have like a lot of his past quarterbacks, but you know, to put them in that system and that have that much success obviously means that it's just like set up so well for a quarterback to come in there and, and just ball out. Um, which is what a coach should do is like get really good players and put them in a really good place to succeed. And he does a really good job of that. So shout out. I'd like to see USC in the, I'd like to see USC just good at football. Like it is good yeah. for football. Um, it is. I mean, that's kind of when we were growing up, like USC was just, the program and it was it and it was hot and it was you know just awesome you know fun man usc it just was cool was super cool reggie bush y'all never forget like the president reggie, reggie bush and matt liner together were just dynamic i went and watched i was thinking about this the other day when i was watching the usc game i went out to la in the college i went to a game in the coliseum when arkansas played there in 2005 i believe it was Darren McFadden's rookie, uh, rookie freshman year, um, and we lost seventy-seven to seventeen. Good yeah. God! I went, I went all the way across the country to hang a fifty-point L right on my forehead. Now I was pretty young, and 16. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Disney, I enjoyed Disneyland. Yeah, sixty-point L. <laughs> I enjoyed Disneyland and all that kind of good stuff. And I met the Trojan horse, and that was so sick. And uh, anyway, the Coliseum was amazing. Of course, not the best, like optically, it's like really far back. Like uh, it's big, but it's a huge bowl. So like if you're up, you know, you're really far away from the stadium if you're a little bit farther back. But anyway, it was awesome when it was at its peak. Um, kind of sad to see them. Not sad. I don't really care. But just for the for the good of college football, it's nice to see them kind of back on the national stage. Um, after I talked a bunch of garbage about Lincoln Riley. Now, who he is as a man, I don't know, but he's a good football coach. I think he's still kind of a rat for leaving out of Oklahoma when things got a little tough, you know. But that's kind of what people do. It's like, hey, it's a good time to jump ship. I got a really great opportunity to go to USC. Like, all right, I'm taking it. Yeah. Can't I mean, hate, don't hate the player. Play. Hate the game, baby. I always thought he'd go to the NFL. I kind of thought he'd be in the NFL guy. I know he's the one who's really definitely had some offers and has said no. Oh yeah, he's just thought he was going to go to the Cowboys. I really thought he was going to go to the Cowboys uh, when they fired the, Jason Garrett. Yeah. Then they well, hired Mike McCarthy. About... They hired the exact opposite of Lincoln Riley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone was talking about when when the hypo rumors to the NFL were kind of going around. You know, you start talking. You know, there's a bunch of college coaches who just don't want to go to the NFL. And then you think about it and you're like, wait a second. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Steve Spurrier. Like, there's a lot of great college coaches that did want to go to the NFL. And Lincoln Riley's probably really the only guy who had 
probably a bunch of guys calling his phone that said that probably straight up said no that wanted to stay in college. Yeah. NFL, that is a it's wild how different those leagues are. Like in the end, it's just football, but so many people have have struggled to have success on both levels. Um, I mean, Chip Kelly was at the top of the profession in college, was just thought of to be a genius. He goes to the NFL and just struggles mightily, just terrible. Um, and then goes back to college, and now he's finding quite a bit of success again. Um, it's just a whole different ball ballgame. Um, yeah, I mean, Saban, it's hard to say he was like – it was very – it was almost too young to say if he really was a failure in the NFL because I think some of his – um, you know, upbringing as a coach was in the NFL. I, th- I still, I think he probably could have had pretty good success in the NFL just because he's just on a ne- different level. But a lot of people have struggled. Bobby Petrino went out to Atlanta. He left in the middle of his first season. He was so bad. That's when he came to Arkansas. How about that? Arkansas hired an NFL coach straight from the NFL. That was baller. I missed baller. baller. Um, but Matt Rule, we're excited about him back in college. But let's be honest, he didn't do a great job in the NFL. No, nope. but it's a different no. game, and that's kind of what it's a the whole you know, you're recruiting, fun like boosters, all this kind of stuff. Make it a it's a different ball game. I think that's where it really comes into play. It's like yeah, in college you have to recruit and develop players. NFL like yeah, you're developing players and you want them to get better, but really it's hey, these are the guys. Uh, they're either good enough or we cut them, or we make yeah. it work with what we have, you know. But for the like. There's, there's just, it's a different ball game. You're not, you're not molding as much in the NFL. I feel like it is more X's and O's and schemes and yeah, it's straight up schemes because everybody's great. Yeah, and the great minds of the game. Like when you think of great NFL coaches, they're they do seem like just geniuses. Not saying that college coaches aren't, but it is just a totally different ball game. Yeah, I mean it's a whole step ahead in terms of schemes, and I think it's because you can just get you can just overpower somebody in college. Like we, we were just talking about in the big 10. Well, you can out-talent them. Yeah. yeah. You can just clearly out-talent them. You don't have, you can do a very basic scheme. The talent level is pretty even. Uh, I mean, obviously there's some differences, but I mean, they're all pretty close. Even the worst team in the NFL is pretty close to the chiefs or the bills. They're not as far as I think the casual fan would think. Well, that's um, why you see great NFL teams lose to the worst team in the league every now and then. Like that's yeah. not unusual to see. And no one's people are surprised when it happens. Yeah. It's no like, Oh, really did shocked. you see that? But it's not like app state beating Michigan on a block field goal. I mean, yeah. that is way less likely than the Jaguars sneaking a win against the bills uh, in week 15. So it's, yeah, it it takes a a stronger football mind, I think, to put together a scheme to also manage egos, manage a coaching staff. Uh, The draft is very important. Uh, Trades and kind of the the whole analytical franchise aspect to it as well is really important. Guys like Belichick, who have been successful for so long, have been able to draft well, been able to trade well. Uh, So there's just a whole bunch of different interesting pieces to the NFL game that makes it a, a, a crazier beast. Yeah. I feel like evaluating players come, like we talked about not developing as much, but you do have to evaluate way more. And I think of what Vrabel did last year, Vrabel and J-Rob, I guess with having, you know, 90 different players play last year for the Titans. It's like knowing who you need to call up. That's going to put you in a position to win, especially when it's these guys that are practice squad level guys. It's like, okay, can this guy come in? 
and get it done for us, you know, when we need them to on a week's notice. I feel like that comes into play a lot. The only coach I can think of off the top of my head that's really succeeded at both levels is Pete Carroll. And Jimmy Johnson as well. Jimmy Johnson, yeah. Those are the only two, really. That's throwing it back. Yeah, once – like, what's the stat on that? Are those the only two guys that have won a national championship and a Super Bowl, or are there more? I think those are the only two because this is something I've looked up before. I know in Harbaugh, he's been to the playoffs and been to a Super Bowl, so he's uh, – in that kind of almost realm. Yeah. Ah, but there was – Okay, yeah, there's three uh, three coaches. The other one's pretty good, too. I completely forgot about uh, this guy. Is he? Is it old or is it fairly recent? It's, I mean, it's fairly recent. It's not like more recent than Pete Carroll. He was uh, 80s and 90s. Okay. Won three national championships and then won a Super Bowl. And what was that, 90? 96. Won three national championships and a super, won a Super Bowl in 96? Yeah. Ooh. Played at Arkansas. That's Jimmy Johnson. Talking about Jimmy. Not Jimmy Johnson? Mm-mm. Played at Arkansas and, and it's a coach that wasn't. Uh, wow. I should I should know that, I guess. But I can't. Uh, oh. uh, What's his name? Uh, it's not Switzer, is it? Yeah. Just, just as I. It was yeah. was it Barry Switzer? It was Barry Switzer. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a little bit. <laughs> no, I'll just let Will ride with that. Yep, yeah. Will, 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 Will. Switzer. Uh, I didn't know he had won one in the NFL. Yeah, so he yeah, won I guess one he with did. The Cowboys with the Cowboys. Then, yeah, what? Ha- okay, so what? I guess I, I just kind of assumed because that was at the end of. What happened to Jimmy Johnson? In the late 90s. So, yeah, Switzer stepped in following the departure of Jimmy Johnson, who as head coach won the previous two Super Bowls. Um, Where did Johnson Jimmy Johnson had, go? Jimmy Johnson had clashed with owner Jerry Jones, and many felt that Barry Switzer was more apt to go along with um, Jerry Jones' ideas. So They're both Arkansas boys, that's why. All Arkansas boys. Well, actually, yeah. wait, they all are. Goodness. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Arkansas had quite a little lineage of producing coaches like – but none of them and ever really do you won. Know where, Ar- uh, do you know where Pete Carroll was a graduate assistant at? He was at Arkansas at one point. Arkansas. Under Frank Broyles, yeah. Pete okay. Carroll, shout out. We were talking about USC. That's when he did have those boys rolling. Yeah. So all three uh, coaches to have won a national championship and a Super Bowl involved with Arkansas in some way. It's a, I mean, that school just breeds champions, I guess. It does. None of them ever win here, but. Man, they win in life elsewhere, everywhere. No, it's pretty pretty amazing. So the Cowboys won three Super Bowls in a row with two different coaches. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's impressive. I don't think it was in a row, was it? Yeah, they went. I thought you said Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's. I read directly what it was saying. So, yeah, they won. Or no, they won 92-93 and then in 95. So okay. I don't know so what happened in 94. Gap. There was okay. a gap. Still very uh, good good decade to be a Cowboys I guess they player. were just saying the previous it's been two. The old, like, there's been two decades when the Cowboys were lit. 
and that's been kind of it. Like they have, Cowboys have done nothing since the nineties in, in yeah. all reality, the seventies and nineties, they like owned. And then, yeah, they won six, they won six titles in two different, like two separate decades, not six each, but six combined in two decades. Yeah. And then, other well, than that, I think that's a, I think that's a really good segue. Actually, you're talking about a team uh, dominating the seventies and nineties and not doing much. How about the Huskers? Matt rule. Corn rules, rule the Big Ten, reel out I all like the that. hashtags, rule um, the West. God, I like that. Dude, that the West. Are those forget, actually forget already 10. firing up on Twitter? Oh yeah. Let's focus oh, on bad. the West for now. Like, we got to lock down the Big Ten West. We got to establish. I say we because I am all like I am Husker. I am Husker proud. I am I am Husker strong. And we got to lock down the Big Ten West immediately. Like next year, let's establish ourselves. Like we are, we are the team in the Big Ten West. Don't let don't let Wisconsin get a foothold. Don't do not like. We got to get in there next year. Like we need Matt Rule to absolutely. We need him to a bring some good assistance, which I think he's probably going to do. Already has not, started to. Yeah. Okay. What have they? Are they getting the guy from South Carolina? Is that is that done? Is that yeah? Which I don't I know. Satterfield. Like, I know he's not like great, but I'm also wondering if he pairs better with Matt Rule than he was. Yeah, I think that's kind of what you'll see. I mean, I think coaches together can be a lot better than they are in different. Of course, he didn't succeed at freaking AM. That's a pit hole, right? Is that where he was? No, before South Carolina. Um, I think, I think maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking wrong. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. Texas AM just fired their offensive coordinator too. I'm I'm all sorts of confused. I know he was at Carolina right now, um, and they weren't great until these last two games. They did suddenly become like he finally figured Offensive it out. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, get him while he's hot. You know, like just put up 63 against the Vols. It's like all right, time to get him. <laughs> time to get him. Yeah, now's the time. I know. Um, I mean, I'm I'm excited. Uh, we were talking about it before. We'll kind of talk. Wisconsin and we'll talk both kind of the major Big Ten hires. So Nebraska hires Matt Rule after he gets fired from the Panthers. Wisconsin hires Luke Fickle away from Cincinnati. Um, Fickle surprised me a little bit because it was my understanding he pretty much had the Notre Dame offer last year. At least that was the rumor. So it does kind of surprising. Yeah. What? Because I was wondering, okay, maybe he's waiting for, maybe he thinks Ryan Days is going to the NFL and he's going to go coach at Ohio State whenever that opens up because that's his alma mater. But Wisconsin comes calling and he goes and, which, and I think he's a good fit there. Um, Seth, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, You asked me the question if, if Fickle was like in play for the Huskers, if I would have rather had him. And I think it really both coaches fit each team perfectly. Like I think Luke Fickle will be able to roll into Wisconsin where the cupboard's not bare uh, by any means, but Wisconsin, there is a lot of turmoil going on there. Like players are not happy. Uh, they weren't happy when Chris was fired. And now I think it's a whole nother thing. They're not happy that Jim Leonard's not getting the job. So I do think you're going to have a bunch of guys transferring out from Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to see how Fickle handles that. But then again, going to back to Nebraska, I think Matt rules the perfect hire because we saw him rebuild a program at Temple, and then more importantly, some rebuild a program at a Power Five school. Maybe the worst situation to ever walk into that Baylor situation, uh, where he has like forty scholarships taken away. Yeah, because they the, go from they go from one and eleven to eleven and three in three years. 
Um, so, I mean, that excites me as a Husker fan because things are bad right now and we need it to change. So I'm, I'm waiting to see. It was, it was kind of leaked that Mickey Joseph will remain on staff. And I think if that's true, that's a huge win just because of recruiting um, and, and a great receivers like, coach. Have a, yeah, have a little bit of cotton. Like, it's kind of a tough balance when your program's kind of in a tough, in a really bad spot. Cause at one point you're like, well, it'd be nice to have some continuity. Like, cause I felt this was Arkansas. There were some guys who were like, well, these guys might stay on staff. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of good. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily hurt to just like, Oh, we want to hold over from this. Like this, this staff did not produce results. Now, mm-hmm. singularly, I think there are, there is room to bring over people, especially if they have, you know, the respect of the locker room, they, they are a good coach. They are a good position coach, a good recruiter. Um, those guys can kind of stay around. And it might just be kind of a decision like, you know, that could be one where rules like, hey, look, I appreciate what you've done to get us here. Um, we would like to offer you, you know, to keep now. Obviously, it's different because he's been the interim head coach. It's like, look, we'll, we'd like to, you to stay on staff. If if you want to be here and you will you will be all in, like we want you here. And if not, like, hey, we'll help get you, get you another job somewhere like, you know, you'll be you'll be good to go um so it's kind of a tough balancing act in terms of like how much you want to actually keep continuity from like not successful years like do we really want holdovers from a staff that (laughs) didn't produce very much yeah but i think there are cases where there could be a few really really good solid holdovers because then if you know mickey joseph's there and he's showing full support to this new coaching staff it does kind of bridge the gap for like the returning guys to go ahead and be cooperate you know just bought in um to the system so i think i i I think rules is gonna i think he's gonna find some success there and probably early i think maybe earlier than people say what's the stat again like how many losses does nebraska have like one score games in the last like i think it's 25 since like frost was hired 25 25 that means it means yes they were terrible in one score games but it also means hey yeah our record's terrible but we were in a lot of one score games like it's not like this program needs to take just this massive massive overhaul leap it just needs to be 10 points better well and you're you know what i'm saying the best example is shout out to the huskers for breaking the streak against iowa finally Iowa was going to the Big Ten championship game if they beat Nebraska. So yeah. you just beat, in essence, the Big Ten West champ. Had they on the road, you, so. head to, like just bombed them. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I think Nebraska's it's down a little bit, but I don't think it's as dire as like some people might have you believe that that program is. I think it's more of a dormant, could be really strong pretty quick if the right guy is in place, and hopefully Matt rules the right guy. Well, and you're just in can... a good – you're in a better situation. You're not bringing a team back in the SEC West. You're bringing a team back in the Big Ten West where it's just – it's competitive because it's not good. Like, you have a bunch of very mediocre teams that I don't think anyone in the country is scared of, a Purdue or a Wisconsin or a Minnesota or an Illinois, and those are the top dogs in the West right now. Yeah. So, you should be able to – like. I'm expecting Matt Rule. I'm not trying to go crazy or anything, but I think he can win six games next year if he has the right quarterback. Dude, now, I, think win, Thompson, I think he could win seven. Like, no, he, he might. That I'm, trying to tem- I'm trying to temper quick. expectations. I know, I'm but sure. I'm saying I'm saying he could come in there. I, I It is not past me to say he could win eight games 
his first year. Because I think that's that's how marginal that that West is. Like all those games yeah. you just rattled off, those are winnable games. Like there will not be but maybe one or two games on the schedule where it's like that will be really hard to win next year. Like yeah. things would have to go crazy right for that to happen. So I just think that uh, I think it's a really high possibility that he could come in and make us, dude, go go seven and five, eight and four in that first year, and it's off and running. Like then you hit the the transfer portal changes everything. Like you can immediately get impact players so much faster. You know, like you can get a roster full, just get 10 impact transfers and it totally changes how fast you can rebuild the program. Like mm-hmm. you don't have, it's, it's not, okay, I need my recurring class and then I'm going to develop them for three years. And then now we're going to ball out. No, it is like, no, these guys are grad seniors. They're grad. They, they know how, you know, they know what to do. They know how to conduct themselves. They aren't, don't need any physical development. None of that kind of stuff. They're going to come to Nebraska and they're going to play immediately. And, we're, you know, we're going to put together a really good team with a really good scheme and out scheme people. And, and just, it's not that far off. Like Nebraska's has had just, it's almost uncanny how many close games they've lost. And so you put the right coach in place, you add a few more playmakers and let's just, let's roll fast. Like this doesn't have to be a long five-year rebuild. This is a, this is a two year and we are, we are off and running. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm hyping up Husker nation. Like it just takes the right guy, the right guy in year two, you will know the right guy in year two. You will know, look at Hypo year two bang. Like it doesn't take five years anymore. Like come in, let all the, let all the players transfer that want to transfer. Okay. The transfer portal giveth and it taketh away. Like if guys are not committed to being there, get it. Well, all right. They're gone but then come back, get the right guys in there, right coaches in there, and turn it around. The Big Ten West is up for grabs. Your strongest program just hired a new coach. Like, there's no, there's no guarantees right now in the Big Ten West. So why not, why not step up and be topped out? Yeah, and I think he really – I mentioned to you all before, I watched his press conference today, his first press conference in Lincoln at the athletic facilities, and I think he immediately won over – pretty much all of Husker nation, just because there is something to the fact that he was an NFL coach. I know he wasn't super successful, but just the fact he comes across as a professional, like he's got a plan in place, like ready to go. I think you're right. I think there is a chance that he can just like, he can get things going. It doesn't have to be this long rebuild. So we'll see. I think one of the major things is Casey Thompson, who we don't really know what his plans are yet. He walked at senior day but he was seen right after the press conference kind of walking around the facilities and he's supposed to be meeting with rule. I think you really need him or a big transfer QB to come in because that changes everything. If you have a good quarterback, especially that would be a good version of continuity, obviously having the same quarterback, but we'll see. I think people are really excited that he's going to bring kind of more of that RPO game back to Nebraska too. So I don't know. I'm, I think the future's bright. I'm excited. I hate, like this time of college football because, well, because my team's been bad, I hate it. So, you know, you you wait all year for it, and then you get to the end, and you're already ready for next year. So we'll see what happens. What do you think um, about this hire at Auburn? Speaking of coaches here, Hugh Freeze coming in after Lane Kiffin was pretty much seemed like I mean, nailed in as the next head coach. He 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 pulls Jimmy a Kiffin. Sexton. Jimmy Sexton is a magician when it comes to getting coaches new lucrative deals, whether it be at a new school or re-upping at their own. 
school. So that was all, maybe not. I mean, it was legitimate talks. I think Lane to Auburn was a legitimate thing. But at the same time, a huge token of that was just to get his salary up. Oh, yeah, 100%. And shout out Ole Miss for stepping up and not just letting the program take him away. Uh, Now, some might say, you know, Lane Kiffin finished eight and four. You know, let's not like really go out of our minds to just anoint him as a guaranteed just like home run hire. But he's he would bring some excitement to a program. Uh, Hugh Freeze. Never won nine games, or I mean, never won 10 games in the SEC. Uh, never won the West. Like, was pretty good, produced some good NFL guys. But let's be honest, he gets a lot of hype for beating Alabama those two years when, like, they lost at least three or four games. Like, it's I – don't, I don't know where all of a sudden it just, like, got anointed that Hugh Freeze was just this magician of a coach. Uh, now he's done a good job at Liberty. And he may do a good job at Auburn, but I wouldn't like anyone who would just be like, yep, this is just a home run slam dunk. Like he was your one a guy. Hugh freeze this guy. That's an absolute. Uh, he's a hypocrite, obviously like just not like he, he just had this whole act of being just this great human God fearing Christian man. And then all that got kind of disheveled when, when some, things come up about his past which i a if you're if you're doing all this escort stuff you're doing all this paying players that's fine i really don't care but you cannot with one hand be paying out prostitutes and with the other hand be thumping the bible and saying you know you're a you know good christian man and a good leader of a head football coach of an institution in the sec is like the biggest leader in the state like you cannot be both of these things. Um, and, and obviously good, like good for him. I hope he has gotten right with himself, his family, everything. Like he has had success at Liberty. Um, and you know, now he's gotten himself another chance. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I, I don't think, I mean, it's better than probably Brian Hartson. So that's one good thing I could say about it. But other than that, I, I don't just like necessarily off the top be like, Oh, this is a home run grand slam. Like this is definitely going to work. I just don't know. I don't know. Well, I think he'll probably have mild success. I think he'll be I, an eight and four, nine and three coach. I don't think he's a championship coach. I don't think he was their number one choice either because yeah. the there were there were not. rumors. Uh, I mean, this is obviously from like through Nebraska rumors and stuff. So take it with a grain of salt. But there was a rumor that Auburn offered the job to like there was an offer from Auburn on the table for Rule, and he just felt that Nebraska was a better fit for him. Um, so take that for what you will. But I think I said it before, like this a few weeks ago, that Hugh Freeze made all the sense in the world. But Seth, I'm with you. I don't, I mean, I think he'll do fine. I think he'll get Auburn back to being a solid football team, but I don't expect Hugh Freeze to come in and win national championships by any means. No, I don't. I don't. Not, not with the other powers that be in the SEC right now. Like, I don't no. see Hugh Freeze jumping. Well, let's don't... not discount the fact that those old Miss teams that he had that were good got, I mean, that was when all those allegations came down. Like he was cheating his butt off and recruiting. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the dude's a, a total fraud. I, I think Cadillac Williams would would have been a better fit for Auburn. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of with you there. Like dude, he had something pretty special with the fan base. With at, I would have written I would have written that out. It was say, crazy got- what I've read about Cadillac. Like, and obviously, I mean, you can say what you want about this, but I think he was a really big leader 
Um, there was all kinds of reports about getting all his players going to class. Seven players had gotten baptized under the four games that he was there. Um, and I mean, that's, it is what it is, but it, it just kind of shows that leadership quality that he has. Um, and in Jordan Hare, Auburn was three and six and he's getting that place packed. I mean, it's insane what the the fans and the the team was willing to do for Cadillac. I would have rolled the dice with him over. Well, and what he he you won know some what you games got too. Freeze. Yeah. Do what? I said he won some games too. Yeah, he yeah. went two and two with like possibly one of the worst situations you can be thrown into. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it. Like Auburn was get, Brian Harson was going to burn that place to the ground, and somehow Cadillac was able to put out the fire a little bit. Yeah. 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 Very impressive with Cadillac. Yeah. In my, I'm kind of with you there. I, it's hard for me to look at what Cadillac, the excitement and the energy and everything that he brought to that program, you know, just by being himself, by being, you know, an enthused coach, by caring about Auburn, and then you're going to go out and hire Hugh Freeze. It just like, doesn't mesh, man. It, yeah. it is a slap in the face. It's like, man, give give this guy a chance. He's proved, like, he's he's earned the respect of the fan base he's earned. He obviously has the respect of the players. Like go get him a great offensive and defensive coordinator and like really set him up for success and give him a year. Say, look, you got a year and a full year. You got a full off season. You got a full season and let's, I mean, and then extend your coaching search even longer. You know, I just don't well, think. Honestly, Hugh Freeze still would have been at Liberty. I think. Yeah. Yeah. If Auburn doesn't hire him. I just think it's a breach to try and get, I think Auburn kind of fumbled this coaching search to be quite honest. That's what I think. And that's kind of to be expected when you just hired an athletic director, like this guy yeah. has not been there very long. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I'm sure he's a good athletic director. Like he knows kind of what's going on. Like he was obviously probably prepared. Like he's gone through coaching searches before. Um, but as it seems very often at Auburn, there is a rift between the big boosters. Auburn like notoriously has just like the power brokers and the actual direction, like of this, that the, like there are people, and, and I, uh, I don't really want to go there because it seems kind of, I don't know, it seems wrong and not my place to bring this up. But it's been a topic of conversation in a lot of coaching searches lately. Is race here? You have a successful young, like a black head coach, like give that is ingrained in your program like was a pillar of your program has obviously put his heart and soul on the line for Auburn is showing immediate signs of success in the head coaching position. And then you're just going to turn and turn and give the keys to just to Hugh freeze. Who's a noted, like has had legal troubles, has had off the field issues, has had just the you know, personal life issues. It's just red flags all across the board. And you're going to hand the keys to your program over to this guy who's never even won. It's not like he's a national championship winning coach. That's my thing. It's not like he comes with three national championships or even one. He hasn't done like, anything. He has not even won his comp. Like he didn't even win the West. He didn't even win the West. So, and you're, and you, I don't know. It's just a little bit like, come on guys. Like, I don't know. There are times when we give someone a chance that's maybe earned a shot, like a shot at being a head coach that loves Auburn. And you're just going to hand it to Hugh Freeze, who really has no, no claim to Auburn, like no. just ran random coach. Cadillac that... is Auburn through and through. The players loved him. He had a good eight, 10 year NFL career. I mean, like, I don't, 
it has to be some kind of rift, like you were saying, Seth, with the boosters. I mean, it, the hire just makes no sense to me. I think it, it was a horrible decision. They're going to end up, I mean, they're going to end up firing Hugh Freeze in three, four years, probably. I don't think it makes no sense. I think it's like you hear Hugh Freeze going to Auburn. It just kind of sounds right, but I'm right. I mean, I'm with y'all. I don't think it's the right hire, and I don't think it's going to go. I think it's going to go okay. I don't think it's going to go as well as Auburn is hoping it's going to go. Yeah, I I guess it's also like you were saying, Will, where I think he's still at Liberty this year. So it just seems like wait it out another year if this is going to be your hire, Hugh Freeze. Like yeah. wait it out, see if you can make a splash and or Cadillac is your guy. Yeah, I think I, I know that's not a traditional way of like hiring a coach. But I think this situation was a little different. I think you let Cadillac run with it. You say, look, let's see. We might have a long-term guy here, like a true staple that could come and be our program leader for the future. And he's already here. He's already an Auburn guy. Like, he he obviously had enough juice. Like, he had enough for them to hire him as their interim. They believed in him enough to, like, put him in control of the program. Um. I don't know. It just it screams a little bit of desperation to go out and hire Hugh Freeze. Like he's been a name out there for a while, and I don't know. Just it's interesting. It's interesting, and I don't think it'll pay off in huge. I think he will have mild success. He will be eight and four, maybe ten and two a couple times, and that's about it. Like that's about what he is as a coach. Um, and so you're going to sell your soul for that. Like, not me, not me, but you know, coaching, coaching stuff is never, it's never easy to predict if it was, you know, every coach would be a home run hire. Every coach would, could, would work out. Um, and he may prove me completely wrong. He may win five national championships at Auburn, but I do not foresee that happening. No. So, yeah. But, there you know, hey, uh, let's shout out Hugh Freeze, all right? He, <laughs> it publicly humiliated years ago. Could have just left. Could have just gotten out of the spotlight. Could have Gone just... back to Briarcrest out in Memphis. Yeah, yeah. but instead he keeps coaching. Uh, he gets a chance at Liberty and does his best with it, and now he has another opportunity. Good lesson for the kids out there. Never give up. You could be like Hugh Freeze, too. <laughs> He apologized. Yeah. Oh, 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 I didn't know he apologized. Oh, sorry. Oh, my gosh. He made oh, it right. He repented. <laughs> there was another little uh, coaching rumor we were talking about. Not not a whole lot to it yet, but it looks like Dion was offered the Colorado job. All I saw was the, the tweet was Dion was asked if he was offered the Colorado job, and the quote was, yes, they offered. So, which I think is funny, which is just like I very... don't think he's going. No, Colorado's not the gig for him. And also, I did, we can definitely still talk about this, but I also saw some rumors. This would be crazy of Urban Meyer coming back and coaching at Cincinnati. Ooh, because he's a Cincy guy. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to happen. That That's would be what, nuts. I mean, if you if you Google Urban Meyer right now, the the top story is. Uh, because people love throwing his name out there. Nebraska did it. People yeah. love throwing Urban around out there. Urban legend. 
He is an urban legend. That would be crazy. That would be kind of crazy. Shout out to Cincy if they could get that done. He Not, goes I mean, back to his like Utah days. Like he kind of takes more of like a mid-major program. Imagine you're a Cincinnati Bearcat fan and you go from Luke Fickle to Urban Myers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane. Luke Fickle leaves you, Urban Meyer comes in. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because he played uh, – I think Urban Meyer played DB at Cincinnati, so it could really? be uh, – I did not know that. I, I, yeah. To be honest, I did not know that. Yeah, he did. He played DB at Cincinnati, so there's – I mean, there's a spark there. I, I bet Urban Meyer got absolutely roasted at DB. What about Nick Saban? Oh, yeah, he definitely was getting – well, there's a reason he didn't play in the NFL. He was definitely getting toasted out there. He got to know football pretty well because he was probably watching the sidelines quite a bit. That's a good point. Yeah, that is true. Do we have any more college we want to talk or do we want to transition over to the hometown team? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm Arkansas gonna... got beat by – Arkansas is 0-5 in Columbia now since Missouri joined the SEC. That's Can never cool. win. It's always just the worst. It's on Black Friday. It's always like it's like raining and 39 degrees. And it's just a miserable place to be. And we lose again. We've lost Arkansas has lost kind of in that Nebraska vein where I think we've lost three games by a combined seven points like this year. And it's just like, man, yeah, it's just tough. It's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Well, the Huskers, honestly, I don't know if y'all got to watch a lot of the game, but so Huskers awesome. jump out. Jump out to a 24 nothing lead and then just like stop. <laughs> and it's 24 17 like that. And you're just, oh man, I thought we had won like two times and we just kept giving the ball back to them, daring them to go down and score. And luckily they didn't. So they held on. But it would have been was a, offense. It would have been not a, scoring. Been a, oh yeah. No. Thought. <laughs> well, and the Huskers came out right away. We had like two strip sacks right away. That's what got us going. It was awesome. Hey, what kind of promotion did uh the offensive coordinator Ference? What did he get uh there at Iowa this year? They gonna give him a little bonus, Dude, a little so. a little father son bonus there. Dude, Kurt, he wants to hand over the reins to him. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's like he's trying to make that happen where he can just like make his son the head coach, and that's why Kirk Ference, which is like a god in Iowa is being is just ruining his legacy. Like fans are not happy with him. Obviously because he has a son on staff and furthermore he wants to make him the head coach. Well, that's not even the problem. It's the problem that he's got awful. <laughs> no, I know. But like like if you wanted to make your like if Nick Saban had a son and he was an awesome defensive coordinator, they would be clamoring for him to be head coach. Yeah. But it's the fact that your son is absolutely terrible at his job. We don't want him running the program. Yep, exactly. I mean, I hope he's there forever. I hope, oh gosh, I pray, I pray that's what happens. Iowa will be awful. I mean, yeah, that I think would be good for the hopefully, long term. Well, and hopefully I said it already, like no matter who Iowa gets, unless it's some home run, which I don't see happening either, it should, I'm hoping the Big Ten West kind of falls back to where it should be with Nebraska and Wisconsin being kind of those top two teams, and then you have a bunch of kind of okay teams behind them in Iowa, Purdue, Illinois, whatever. But we'll see. Anyway. Well, Titans the Titans played this past week. That's one way to put it. 
Most disappointing game of the year for me so far. Just the way it ended was so deflating. Oh, the way it ended was so not even brutal, just, just like so anticlimactic. Yeah, so just stupid. Such a BS penalty call. Yeah, I mean, like if my my kind of thought on the penalty was if it should not be called since he made the field goal. Now, if he had done that, if he had slammed, like if he didn't even really like hit the um, center, the long snapper, he did hit, like he hit him, but it's not like he was, he just kind of got hit in the scrum and it yeah, didn't it affect, wasn't... it didn't affect the, the actual try at all. You just eat that flag. Like you just eat it. It didn't really affect anything. It wasn't like anyone gained a serious advantage. And I think you let that one just go. Now, if if Kevin Strong had hit the long snapper and then gone on and blocked the field goal, yeah, I understand. You got to call the penalty. But to end the game on that penalty was just lame. It was just lame. But at the same time, Arkansas didn't – I mean, Arkansas. Titans didn't even deserve it. Just like they played terrible. Like they the played offense was awful. atrocious. I it mean, we just, deserve to lose that game. Yeah, we absolutely earned that L big time. And it was just so frustrating. It was almost, it was like in some ways a car, it was a different game, but like the exact same feeling is when they beat us in the playoffs. It was like, we're better than this team. Like, what are we doing? Just somehow they have our number to where we like can't, we couldn't finish. We've been the, we're talking about this before show. The Titans coming into the game were like the number one team in the NFL scoring in the red zone. Now, that was combined with the fact that they're the 31st scoring offense in the NFL. So that means we literally have so we are we are great when we get in the red zone, but we have so few trips to the red zone to even score. And that was our only model for success. Our literal only chance for success is to score every single time we get in the red zone and score a touchdown. And when you settle for two field goals inside in the red zone and you also have a, uh, I guess, let's see. They had three trips to the red zone and only six points. That's terrible. That's not. That's, we're not going to win the game. We're simply not. We have, we have, just made our own bed in having a terrible offense and just decided that that was acceptable. Now, to be fair, we have serious. We have some serious uh, problems on the offensive line, like serious issues. And without Ben Jones, it is a liability. Bad. It's terrible. Yeah, I, I understand that that does affect play calling. That affects everything. But that's also on the staff. I mean, we had a long time to put together a good offensive line, and, like, that is on the staff as well to not have a good unit in there. Um, but I don't care. Like, when you get in the red zone, every single play matters. That's why you cannot throw a bubble screen to Jeff Swaim on first down on the 15-yard line. Whatever we said about Todd Downing last week, uh, whatever good thing I said or defense I had for him, take it back. They should have locked that dude up. Like, this is a joke. <laughs> and I said it I said it before, and I told you I was going to say it again because it was perfect. Like, in, what, in whose right mind or whose idea was it that said, hey, you know what? Let's, like, we got all these weapons, but we're going to let Jeff Swain, like, get a bubble screen and just watch him work, like, make some guys miss. Like, get Jeff Swain the ball in space. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, give it <laughs> – Get do that with Traylon. That's fine. Do it with Austin Hooper. Like I'll, I'm fine with that. A good tight end. But, but like Jeff oh Swaim is not anyone. the guy we need to be like designing plays for. Like I trying literally to figure out ways to get him the ball. 
I'd prefer there are 52 men on the roster. I'd probably prefer throwing it to in space and jet swing. Get to Dylan Radins. He has concrete feet. Like he has concrete feet. This like get it to to put my boy Cody Hollister in the game and let's run a script. I'd literally be more happy with that than a Jeff swing. And it's not the first time. It's, it's no. like not the first time we've thrown a screen to Jeff swing. Chig, a cut chig is a beast. Throw chig a screen, a tight end screen. If that's, that's what, what you you're got so him in- for was to run plays like, like make him the new John new, like run plays says, for him. And, and Vrabel has even said, acknowledged that we have Jeff Swain. He is our blocking tight end. Like we have this guy on our roster as a block. And so I don't like how, as a coach, how can you not be this like so incompetent? He's not even that good at blocking either, though. Hey, no, thing. he's like, not. <laughs> that's the worst part about it. Because oh, it it and that's just one play, and, and I mean, but it's a huge. Like we said, you're in the red zone. You only get so many plays in the red zone. Like that play matters so much. It matters so much. First and ten from the 15 yard line and you're going to throw a bubble screen to Jeff Swain. Like the picture looks so the screen grab looks so messed up because you have Jeff Swain and it was a bad pass and it actually could have worked for several yards. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe three yards, but still it's just such an unproductive play because you have Traylon Burks out there blocking and you have Jeff Swain trying to reach up and make a grab. And That's the like, thing. Not this only is that, so backwards. We, like, this is not how it, it's supposed to. Work. We like made it hard on him. Like we were like, okay, you also have to make an athletic play to like even get the ball. Oh gosh, <laughs> my god. The only no, thing I mean, he's good for is like a seam seam route right down the middle. You know, maybe to or a roll, like you said, a roll out, out yeah. like just where he can screen off someone using his body. Uh, and maybe catch something, but not in space. Yeah, at no point ever, ever, ever should it has come up like, hey, you know what our game plan needs to be this week? Jeff Swaim in space. That's it. I figured it out. It's just wrong. And I don't care if you call the play and you're like, like, how do you call that play and be like, oh, Jeff Swaim's are tied in. Like, you know what? We're going to audible out of that play, you know, either or, hey, let's get Chig in there to run this play. Like, I don't know if you're just blindly running that a tight end screen or you run that specific for that personnel. It's just messed up. And that's just one example, but it like, it, it really kind of makes up for like, you know, everything that's going on. Like Dontrell Hilliard's a weapon. He and is. we hardly use, like we don't use him enough. Like why don't we put Dontrell and Derek Henry in there more together and let's like, let them work in tandem as like a dynamic duo I don't know. Just be a, just step outside of the creativity box a little bit. And when you do it, don't make it a bubble screen to Jeff Swain. Don't do it. Don't do it at all. Don't do it ever. And also you have your rookie Traylon Burks making amazing down the field grabs, just like sunning someone and being a beast, like give him a chance in the end zone, give him a chance in the red zone when it matters. That was he one could, of the most demoralizing parts for me was seeing that play happen and getting a field goal out of it. I was like, are you kidding me? We actually threw a bomb to Traylon. He comes down with it, and then we just sputter out and kick a field goal after that. So bad. It's mind-numbingly frustrating, but that's how the Titan. like, we've won several of these really close games. Like, that is what we're going to do. The Titan. they have given themselves such a small margin of error to win football games and that's their mo it's like hey we're gonna beat you we're gonna grind it out 
and we're going to beat you small. We're not going to blow you out ever. We're going to beat you, you know, because we're going to be error free. We're going to be, we're going to score when we get the chance. We're going to take advantage of our opportunities uh, and we're going to hold you defense. I mean, defense held them to 20 points. Like that's, you know, not, not our best defensive effort of the year, but that's a really good effort. You scored, if a team, if you hold the team to 20 points in the NFL, you should win most of those games. You should, you should. Um, but the Titans are so inept on offense and it's been hidden a little, a few times this year because we've won, you know, because we've held a team to 13 points or 10 points or 16 points, but it won't be hidden all the time. Like it's going to get exposed. All you have to do is make two errors on offense. And then all of a sudden you lose the game because your margin of error is that small. It's that small. So just very frustrating, but kind of indicative of like what they've been this year, just a different outcome. It was a very similar, we could easily be talking about that game as a win if a few yeah. things go different and it, but, and yeah, we'd probably be less like upset, but it'd be the same thing. Like it doesn't really actually change just like I think, I mean, it still doesn't change my opinion. I still think the times are a good team. They lost to a good team and it happens in the NFL all the time. Well, and that's one thing I want to point out too. I heard, you know, someone at work today talking about it, like, Oh, we suck. Like we're no good, all this stuff. And I'm like, I mean, honestly, yeah, it was a terrible game and that's kind of how we play, but it still doesn't change my mind that, I mean, we can still compete with anyone. Yeah. Like, it's probably not no, – none of these games are going to be pretty unless one game we decide to get everything going together and we play lights out. But, I mean, it, it yeah, it sucks, but we're still top dog in the division. Nothing – like, it all – all that matters now is getting into the playoffs and trying to get hot. Um, and I don't think we can't. Like, even though as ugly as it's been, I think you can still beat teams with this style of football now – you're increasing your risk of a loss by making, like you said, Seth, making that margin so small. Like, but I don't know. Just sucks. It does suck, but it doesn't really change anything. I mean, all that's doing at this point is like guaranteeing we're not going to be, because I mean, let's be honest, the AFC teams at the top have slipped a little bit where it's like, it was fairly realistic to think maybe we could put together. I would like to be at least the two or three seed um, because I would probably, I don't know, just to, I mean, two would be ideal. That way you could maybe get a home game for the second round if you win the wild card, but mm-hmm. we don't need to worry about that. We just need to get in the, play- we, like, we might even be a better road team, like just get in the playoffs and, and go win the game in front of you. That's what's nice. And that is, that is a very big positive about the Titans is that I do feel like they have the potential to win the game in front of them. Like, yeah, you probably wouldn't pick them to win four straight in the playoffs, but you know what? In a one-game scenario, I don't think there's there's nobody that they can't beat. I truly believe that. I truly stand by that. And so, you know, in a playoff scenario, they just got to win one. Um, and, and they could all they, they could lose to anybody, certainly anybody that makes playoffs. But they don't have to beat them all at once. They don't have to win four games at once. They just got to win one. And I think they're capable of doing that because I think their staff can put together a good enough game plan they got good enough players and a good enough defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, against the better teams, yeah, maybe it takes two big turnovers, you know, something like that to go their way. But they can force that. They can make that happen. We haven't even really scored a defensive touchdown or anything this year. Like, that's always – that can happen all the time, you know. So, I don't know. I think they got a lot more potential um, in them. I think it's going to be a fun into the year. We'll probably go – I think 10 and 6 is pretty reasonable at this point. Um, 
to finish. Something like that. Eagles this week will be fun. See, this is the kind of game that uh, they definitely could win. I could see them yeah. losing this week and then beating the Eagles for sure. Because um, that's what Vrabel team – they always are good for one, like, win in the regular season against someone you think they're not going to beat. Um, and I think it could be the Eagles. And then, you know, you go and beat the Eagles, and all of a sudden it's kind of like, oh, this team can beat – you know, then all of a sudden you're back to just like, okay, Titans can play with anybody. Of course, the, I mean, they could lose the Eagles too. They're a really good team. So it'll be fun. That, that'll be a really fun game. I'm excited for that one. For sure. I'm really excited for the Christmas Eve game. Yeah, I need to get tickets to that one because I, I want to go. See. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going. Me, well, because that's what uh, Thomas. We've all we've always gone to the like, uh, yeah. cri- like holiday game. Um, so we're gonna try to go for sure. So yeah, we should get a crew together. Nice. And get going. Yeah, because what what we need to do is Titans Christmas Eve, and then I believe the Grizzlies play on Christmas this year. <laughs> So go, uh, a go pay watch Christmas. The, screw the family. We're watching yeah, the screw Grizz. the family. We're going Christmas Eve. We're hitting Nissan. Christmas Sorry, Day, mom. I'm in, the, I'm in the forum. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mom. I'm at the pyramid about to hop over to the forum. <laughs> um, I mean, that sounds like a hell of a trip to me. Is that Christmas Eve game? Is it night game or is it during the day? It is a noon game, I believe. Oh, yeah. I might be in for that one. Uh, Christmas Eve at noon. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, turn yeah. up. That's turn up. I'm. I get. That'd be so fun to just turn up and then go right into my Christmas Eve service. Yep. Just buzzing off a Titans win. Just tighten up. That's exactly what I think I'm gonna have to do. The overlap of church and Titans in Nashville is so awesome. I no one day I'm and I'm mean this dead serious. I'm gonna start a Titans church where it's like we meet in the parking lot six hours before the game and we have service and then we tailgate you know road games we get together and have service and then watch the game it's just it's it's a community built around the titans i think we actually need to do that at that i'm telling you i think there's a huge because it was always so funny when like Titans would play an early game like no one's at late service because like half yeah. the, half the auditorium is going to the titans game everyone's all... rocking their jersey to the early service yeah that's what we need like i but i want to even lean into that way more yeah like, hey we are we are turning up yeah eight o'clock game it's a 7 a.m service and we have, we have service and then we fire up the grill i like sing, it. sing some hymns and then uh you know praise be to he and then uh pray for the titans to win and nobody to get hurt i like it pray for good health all right guys well Thanks again for listening. Hope you can make it to Titans Church. I think we actually need to make that happen. I think that would be awesome. Uh, But anyway, this has been Patriot Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out at sixpackcoverage.com, on Instagram and Twitter at sixpackcoverage. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Patriot underscore sports and on Instagram at Patriot Sports. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next week. Patriot out.